Banner. Hello and welcome to Tip Manor Podcast. It's episode three of season. <laughs> and uh, we're in playoffs, lads. Feeling good. Right, who have we got on today? I thought it was it was time to do a Yorkshire accent to re-sow our roots with um the Yorkshire origins of this podcast, which I feel have been lost over the days. John, how are you doing? You're right. What's your favourite accent? Uh, uh, northeast. Good. <laughs> You're right, Connor. <laughs> Not expecting that. No, don't ask me what my favourite accent is. Okay. Good, Jack. How's it going? What are you wearing? AC Milan retro. It's a bit of a personal question. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Bra. After hours to manage chat, um, it's a it's a Bayern Munich shirt in. I don't. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Really like Harry Kane. Just feeling yes. the vibes. Okay. Good. Good visual um, chat. Yeah. Great for all the listeners, as always. Um, we're only four games into the season, so we haven't podded since previewing Cambridge. And as I put in the notes, the blood pressure and emotions have already been flailing all over the shop. And I feel like I'm going to have to be honest at some point in this podcast about how fickle I personally am as a fan. <laughs> so I don't know where you guys are going to be at after day one. No, we're and day two. Yeah. Well, hang on. No, I'm not sure. But we'll yeah, get to it. I'm sure. There's, um, what, there's WhatsApp messages. There's, there's yeah, proof. Okay. I'm yeah, sure James. you guys are all delighted after the opening day, but you know angelic um john i saw you the other day at limp biscuit away that was different wasn't it less football yeah it was just more our early st- noughties new metal our pod strategy away day yeah trying to just get more listeners um from halifax what a weird place to see a new metal band halifax but there you go um news other than limp biscuit connor you went to the third kit launch. This feels like a long time ago now, doesn't it? You got a free hat. Everyone likes a free hat. I did. I did. I got a free bucket hat in the colours of the third kit. Um, courtesy of the terrace, actually, is where it was from. Oh, okay. Um, personally, I don't think I've got it in me to pull a bucket hat off. Um, my my dad certainly doesn't because he was the one that tried it on as well during the during the event. Um, so I brought it home, give it to Sophie. I think it suits her way better than it does me. So I will probably, it will never see the light of day on my head. Um, but <laughs> nonetheless, it's a nice touch. Brought it home, burnt it and moved off. <laughs> 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 to, to, yeah, it's not really my style, but it, uh, yeah, well, it's a nice little touch. What well, was it at that vast, is it Varsity or is it called something yeah. else now? Yeah, it's Varsity Rooftop Bar. Yeah, it's actually owned by one of the guys I cycle with. He's the owner of it. Um, nice. So he obviously got a nice little uh, nice little payout for that, I'm sure. Good. Not that he's told me. Maybe a free hat, maybe two. Maybe, maybe, maybe he's not an Oxford um, hat though, so. Nah. Still. Yeah, um, Cole, I saw some photos today and we had some chat in the Yorkshire Yellows WhatsApp group, didn't we, about the training ground kind of open day uh, thing that was there. That was, that, just, that was just for season ticket holders, wasn't it? Connor, your dad went, didn't he? Yeah, he did. He went, and so did uh, a couple of a couple of his neighbours. They went together. So yeah, they, I spoke to him early. He said it was really good. He said it was very nice to see, um, you know, like an open training session and kind of get a little bit of an insight into what goes on on more of a daily basis. Um, and um, yeah, he said it was really good. He said it was organised very well. 
Um, And he got to take a lot of photos with some of the players. There's one picture in particular, which I wish I could share with the listeners. It's a picture of him and Tyler Goodrum, and it is hilarious. (laughs) Because Tyler Goodrum is such a baby. He looks so young. Um, I mean, he is young. But it's a yeah, it's a it's a cracking yeah. photo to be fair. It always take these open days. We used to do open days, didn't we, as a club, quite a lot back in the conference days. And I remember going. I think I might have said this before to the promotion season open day. So it would have been two thousand and nine. And I I because I did the designs for the previous years, like end of season review DVD. Chris Williams let me go on like a special tour and meet some of the players beforehand, and then. Um, it was me and like a few 10 year olds. <laughs> so I just remember being in the dressing room with like Crichton and whoever, Adam Murray or whoever, just feeling so awkward because these little kids were getting autographs and I was there just going, all right. Did just they trying think to play you were like some sort of overgrown 10 year old? It was really <laughs> uncomfortable. I thought it'd be great. And then I, as soon as I was in there, I was like, oh, this is, this is a strange experience. But, you know, there you go. Cool. It seems like it seems like the overall day today has had a very good reception from fans, um, both on on Twitter and people I've spoken to who went. So it seems like it was a good good thing that the club did. Nice to nice. see them getting fans involved. Yeah. Didn't um, I saw a couple of things about Sam Boldock. The first update was that he was there moving chairs around, and then that was good to see we're getting value for money. But then second bits bits and pieces coming out was that he it looks likely that he's going into a coaching role. Hear any of that, Connor? Yeah, that's what was reported by my by the mole, not Jack yeah. for once, Dad. It's um, quite a badly kept secret, I guess, isn't it? Yeah, but... yeah. It, it. To be fair, I spoke to him. I spoke to him before the podcast, and he said he actually he, he was able to speak to Baldock um, today, and he was basically explaining how he's currently been helping out with some of the youth team stuff. Um, but there is a a role for him available at the club. Um, a little bit higher up apparently and he's also doing a master's degree in sport management as well at the same time as a on through for a university i can't remember which one it was um through an online course so he's obviously you know i think his playing career now is you know pretty much one and truly over and done with yeah. um but it's still good to see him involved you know it's you know you don't want any professional to fall out of the game because of injury and then you know have to fight their way through so it seems like he's you know fallen on his feet a little bit which is good Okay, good stuff. Well, I, he's a good he's a good pro, isn't he? He's been around the club a long time. He's got other links to the club beyond just himself with his family. So, yeah, it's good to see we're probably looking after him in that in that respect. Yeah, definitely. Um, on to transfers, lads. Tyler Berry seems like he's already very unpopular with Oxford fans. There's been lots of he's coming, he's not, he's coming, he's not. He just hates Oxford, doesn't he, Jack? What do you think about this one? Where's he gone? Uh, Denmark. Yeah, he's gone to Denmark instead. So of course. How how close he ever got to signing for us, who knows? Because Manning remained very tight-lipped on it all. But he was consistently linked by various um, outlets. So presumably we'll still be after someone in that kind of role that can play across the front line. Um, but I think it's obvious we need another another body. Um, so He's yeah, not so much a centre-forward, though, is he? He was more of well, a... It's hard because he played as a striker on loan at Hartlepool and did fairly well, but then Millwall fans seem to talk about him as a kind of wider slash number 10 type. So it, it's all the links at the moment seem to be with forward players, which, you know, is, is the, the big gap, isn't it? Well, it's got Mills though. So it's, mm. he was young and unproven, but it's the fact he's gone to Denmark suggests there's a little bit of a, let's just get him out. 
with the country as well and just a bit of a reset. <laughs> Not just get him out the door, just get him as far away as humanly possible from, from Millwall. It, I did see a couple of mixed reactions from people on Twitter, from, well, particularly Millwall fans, saying that, you know, there was one tweet that said it was a massive... I saw one guy say it was a, a massive mistake letting him go, and then the next person was like, why are we even tweeting about this? What does this matter? This isn't news. Like, get him gone type thing. So it seemed like a very mixed bag reaction to him leaving. But yeah. in all honesty, it's a bit of a dead news story anyway because he's not come to Oxford. So, you know, just... So there you go. We'll never talk about off. him again. Yeah, never again. Um, the Jack Marriott stuff's gone very quiet. John, were you quite keen on this? It wasn't the reported figure, like 400k or something like that. Doesn't seem very Oxford, but, you know proven player at this level yeah i think he fits the profile of like number of games played age sort of fairly proven i wasn't that sold on him as the type of player he seems to be a sort of a kind of a mark harris sort of style of striker sort of a bit perhaps a bit more of a fox in the box maybe but i think i wanted someone who's probably a bit more a bit more of a physical presence so i wasn't i'm not too bothered about it if it's gone quiet what height would be your preferential height for a striker? Well, I mean, Kevin Francis would obviously be the ideal <laughs> signing. How um, tall was Francis? Like 6'4 or something? No, I think he was like 6'7 or 6'8 or something. But, Perfect. you know, I don't think um, solid 6'2, that sort of size of striker. Okay. Thanks for clarifying. Um, Sam Cosgrove. I know nothing about Sam Cosgrove. I'm assuming Jack does. Uh, he was on loan at Plymouth. Uh, didn't really pull up trees. He's one of these strikers who hasn't really scored many goals in his career, apart from the one good season at Aberdeen. So his stats don't scream what a signing, but he's a bit more of a unit. Talking of tall players, I think he's six four, um, bit of a rougher, less technical player. Which you know, not not against having that in the squad if if if. If that's what we want as a, an alternative option, I mean, to be fair, when Gatling came on at the weekend, he put himself about as well because he's properly bulked up this summer. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, mean, I think Cosgrove. I'm just looking now. He scored eight goals for Plymouth um, last season, which isn't too bad considering the other players they had in their squad. Yeah. So I don't know. It'd be an interesting one, but I, I wouldn't be, you know, jumping for joy if he did sign. It's a difficult pitch to whoever comes in because. Harris has now started like a wildfire. Gatlin's looking much improved, but you still need more than two strikers. Um, it's not the easiest sell to anyone that you're a guaranteed starter or you actually like get that much game time. It's yeah. Not it's so it, anyway. I know we'll talk about it, but it's so important that Harris got off the mark and is playing how he's playing, three and three. Doesn't that match his best ever league um, league goal return for a season? Yeah, in three games. So, um, but it, to your point, start. yeah. But to John's point, that that means that it probably adds a bit more complexity for getting that for that additional striker in because Harris is going to be, you know, straight away on that team sheet for the most part. Yeah, it's all well and good until he's injured. So yeah, yeah exactly. You know, yeah. it's one of those. So you know, the squad. I think that I don't think it'll pull the wool over anyone's eyes, given the fact he started well. I still think it will be a priority position. I'd still be very surprised if we don't bring in another forward for the end of the window. Yeah, you're not I'd, putting I'd be on the... if we didn't. Like, it's... Mm. Yeah, yeah. Didn't uh, everyone in the Yorkshire Yellows chat seem to put on Mark Harris to, to win the 
League One golden boot type thing. <laughs> Instantly. Don't get carried away. Anyway, Ryan Longman, Jack was the other one. I saw Captain Ox on twi- Twitter, aka you, reporting this. Yeah, so he's a winger. Well, again, similar similar to Biore, he can play as a striker, as a winger. Um, been at Hull a couple of years. I think he did all right as a young lad at Wimbledon, having come through the Brighton setup. Um, Hull have brought in numerous players this summer again. They just signed Scott Twine, so I think his minutes oh, have are they? immediately limited by that move. Um, is that, has that happened just today? Yeah, I, I, today, I, was, yeah. I checked him out yesterday. He was still, yeah. So um, yeah, so Longman. I was just reading about him early. Turned down a move to a Turkish club, um, and there seems to be a few League One clubs sniffing about. Again, uh, with these kind of players, you never know what you're going to get um, when the player kind of doesn't have a sole position. They can play the entire way across the front three. Um, I mean, options are good. Um, but again, you know, it, all, it does come back to that point that obviously Harris is our number nine. So are we going to go and sign a direct competition? Probably not. But, you know, a player who can slot into a number of roles is you know quite useful. Yeah, Longman has played quite a few games in Alphahol, hasn't he? So he's had quite a lot of championship experience, which is quite good. But it just seemed to me as another one of those where if if he is more of a right winger, which is where he has played the majority of his games, you just think we're stacking up bodies on the wide areas quite a lot if we do bring in one more winger. Because, you know, you think we've got, we've got Goodrum. I know, obviously, Goodrum and Brown, they swap over quite regularly, so they can kind of play on both sides. You've got Stan Mills. You've got Bode, Murphy. Bowden plays out Bode, there, not Yeah, Bowden. You've got, got World Shirt, apparently. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no. So the bodies are stacking up quite a lot in the wide areas, which is obviously useful for the amount of rotation that we're going to require this season, given the amount of games we're going to have to play. But it still doesn't address the central issue, which is still another striker. So it's interesting to see who's being linked. And to be fair, it has been quite quiet, hasn't it, other than these couple of mm. players that we've just heard of very recently um so yeah. it's an interesting one it's worth noting that um at the open day jb um was saying that murphy looked really really sharp in the training session on his toes and seemed to stand out but i imagine that's a large part of why he's still around the club um you imagine while shots going don't you but yeah. well, hopefully he's getting off the wage bill because i imagine he's not on peanuts is he so it would be useful to get him off but then again, with Murphy, it's a funny one because he's not he's not featured in any of the league squads, has he? He's just been on, been in a cup game. Yeah, um, it's just one of them like Van Kessel where Wildshot's going to have to join some like second division yeah. Mon- Mongolian side <laughs> or something. Just like Very you obscure. can't see where he's going. Yeah. Um, uh, out the door then. So we talked about Wildshot a bit. McGinty has yet to uh, make a squad, so you assume he's either going on loan or. Some, some or a permanent deal might be coming in for for him. Um, James Golding's gone out to Dartford on loan. What's happened to Johnson? Out of interest, Josh Johnson. I think yeah. he, he's been injured over preseason. So okay, that's a shame. I assume he'll be working his way back slowly. Yeah. Um, and then as we said, Murphy there. Expect him to probably start making a few squads as, as he's getting back towards match fitness. But um, there's a bit of competition in there now. Cool. Um, football? I think we should talk about the games all as kind of one collective in a sense and just dart around a bit. But Cambridge, if we do start there, we'll see where we go. But um, 
I went to this. I think a lot of you guys were following it, but um, it's such a stark contrast to where we... Sorry, Connor, you were there. You were stood next to me. I was stood next to you. <laughs> Jesus Christ. For, 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 the, for the listeners there, we're obviously on video cam and I just pointed at my own face being like, hello. Like, Yeah, James stood next to me for the whole 90 minutes. I actually remember... Actually, and to be fair, you you sat next to me in a pub for like three hours before the game as well. So it couldn't have been that memorable being near there, me for there was five actually, hours. I do remember um, when Harris broke through in the second half and then kind of <laughs> tripped over his feet. I just embraced you with a sad hug. <laughs> Um, just, I can't believe that's just happened. Um, anyway, the the things I, I'll just rattle through some of the thoughts on that, and I think the main reason to go through this is that Derby was so different, and I think others have referenced it in the in the notes. But we seem to revert back. And Jack, we went to the fixture, didn't we? The one nil defeat at the back end of last season, but it seems so so similar. Like all the possession moving across the back line, working it back to Beadle. And the only outlet that we had, because all of our midfield three were turn and face backwards the whole time, seemed to be Long or Brown as fullbacks. And then you'd probably argue that 70, 80% of the time, I don't know what you think, Connor, they were just, it seemed to conclude there. Like our possession would end up three minutes, you might keep the ball. We had 70% possession, didn't we? But it always seemed to conclude with Long or Brown having to make the killer pass or make a decision on how to progress the ball further up the pitch. But it was it was difficult to watch, wasn't it? It just there was Cambridge said was so organized and had a game plan. And Manning said that you, you imagine Manning's got a 28 slide PowerPoint deck on every player that Cambridge did there. And he said we were prepared for them to play like that. But there seemingly was nothing we could do. The thing is, we conceded a really poor first goal after 15 minutes where it was an accumulation of mistakes. You know, Brown lost the ball um, out wide on the touchline with a poor touch. And then that the, the winger drove towards Thornley, who didn't actually close the space quick enough. Then the shot across goal, Beadle parried it out, and then it was straight into danger zone, danger zone in the back of the net. Well, that was the most ideal start for Cambridge, because if they got ahead early on in the game, which they did, you know for a while that they were just going to play on the counter-attack. They were going to sit in two banks of four. They were going to sit really deep, low block. It's exactly what they did. And their winger, um, I can't remember what his name is, lad on the left-hand side, was... F- full of it you know he had an excellent game yeah he had sam he had sam long on toast every single time and to be fair their striker um i can never pronounce his name uh, the big lanky bloke up the top <laughs> sounds like i'm talking about peter crouch or something here he's on loan um, from um who's he on loan from i forget doesn't matter I, I don't know either way he you know he was rough and tumbling with more pretty much all game is pulling his shirt like mad but nothing was ever given and he did really well to score to score a second obviously at the back post when he beat Brown in the air. And, and you know, after 25 minutes, it was 2-0. And you knew for a fact that this this was going to suit Cambridge down to the ground because we couldn't play through them. And like you say, the, the full-backs in our sense, Long and Brown, were arguably the two players who you don't really want to try and play that penetrating pass because they are not those types of players, I don't think. Yeah. Um, and the issue was, was just I just think we can't... It doesn't seem to me as though we had a... We didn't have like a plan B against a team who wants to play so deep. But... But they wouldn't have played that deep if they wouldn't have scored twice within 25 minutes. You know, it was because they, they managed to get the lead. They then decided, you know, we will sit in banks of four and we will just defend. And they did. And we didn't really threaten them at all. Like you say, the only chance I can really remember off the top of my head was... Mills' um, header, wasn't it? was Mills's, Mills's header, yeah. And then Brannigan had a shot from distance that wasn't too far wide. Um, so yeah. it was a frustrating start. Um, but I think, for me... 
it was one of those games where I think so much hype was going into it because of the performance we had against QPR. Um, obviously, a week earlier in pre-season, that everyone thought we were going to like Manning ball them off the pitch, and that was going to be the ex- yeah, excellent first start. But I think, in fact, what it did was it kind of exposed the weaknesses we still have as a team. And obviously, we have them. You know, Manning's only been in charge for such a short period of time. You know, these ideas aren't supposed to come through straight away. So, if anything, he kind of taught them a lesson. I think, which is in a weird way, might be a good thing um, yeah. in in the future. And I'm sure that's the way it was probably span or spun rather by Manning and the rest of the coaching team because you know the, oh, I'm not going to go into the Bristol City game, but certainly the Carlisle game was a lot was a lot better in that sense. But we can talk about but that in a second. They did. They did. Carlisle did set off us to a different extent like the whole way through that game so I don't know John what you're thinking on this but if other sides are I still I think Cambridge set up from the off to be compact and sit back a bit and play on the counter a bit like you'd expect an away side to do that was just how they seemed to be organized from the from the off but um, John do you think we might come across this a few times and I just expected more I expected for example Carlisle to look at that and be like that seems to work Maybe we'll do something similar, but they they didn't. Well, I think on that specific point, that's probably where you the home and away aspect comes into it slightly. I think in a way, Cambridge were probably like possibly one of the worst teams that we could have started off with, given we were going into it with a new playing style to embed. And for all Manning talks about making it as simple as possible, giving players the tools for certain situations, it's still you've got to think about a new style of play for the first time, against a team who were really, really good. I think their midfield two are the best midfield two we've played against in the league all season. And they matched us up in the same formation, effectively, on and off the ball. You can quibble around that sort of side of things. But yeah, they But they didn't have our sort of ambitions in terms of how to play. They were just lively well organized but we're only going to try and take they were going to take certain opportunities in certain situations other times they were just going to relinquish possession of the ball and give it back to us and then as you say it exposed where our fullbacks are which is still a talking point going into the season of if everyone else can't get make something happen the fullbacks might have some more space but they showed they're not good enough really ultimately to kind of make something happen from their position which is why you know, they're they're not top six attacking fullbacks. Yeah, and we did they? we didn't actually mention um, the when we talked about transfers in the news. We just didn't even talk about the left back. But you assume there's still something on the horizon. Yeah, but um, definitely, Jack, Jack. What are your thoughts in terms of like Connor mentioned the lack of Plan B? But it, that was the main thing I took from that, and I guess is still a whilst I'm on uh, cloud nine after the last um, <laughs> after Tuesday's performance. Um, that that is the thing that keeps coming back to me that we just couldn't find a solution. Like it just seemed like that we there was no alternative. Yeah, and I've been thinking about this because that was a criticism of Robinson, mm. probably throughout his spell actually, and much more last season when just repeating the same thing was not working. The results were consistently poor. I think we said in the preview pod that it feels that this part of Manning is very much phase two. Phase one was rough it at the end of last season, stay up at all costs, reassess in the summer, go again. And this is very much phase two, get into grips with this Manning ball style. And phase three will be 
able to play that consistently well and how well we move from phase two or how quick we move from phase two to phase three will really shape where we're going to be this season. Um, yeah. I think weirdly, for all the criticism of the Cambridge performance being poor, I was quite glad that it was the same weaknesses, that there was no obvious new weakness that had been created by these new signings or the style. So there probably wasn't any surprises that all they got in behind our fullbacks because they're the same fullbacks as last season. So yes, it's annoying it's not been worked on over pre-season, but I think because we're still very much in transition under Manning and will be probably for a couple more transfer windows, in all honesty, it was never going to be a quick fix. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it was a you know not a great performance to start the season, but we've already seen he's addressed some of the things. Carlisle was a step on. Derby was a step further, though, again, not wanting to get carried away. They were a team that were going to, invert commas, try and play against us. The real test, again, is when we play a similar side to Cambridge away from home and they do just go, OK, we're going to sit two banks of four, try and beat us. And that's yeah. the bit over the season that needs to evolve if we're going to be serious about being a top six there's side. A, there's a really big reliance on how well the two midfielders and potentially the number 10 play in our system, which I think is a good thing and a and a problem. If you look at Derby, McGuane Brannigan, absolutely superb, shielded the defence and the fullbacks brilliantly and got forward and did the whole shebang, like 10 out of 10 performance for, for both of them. Against Cambridge, McEachran and Brannigan were all over the shop, completely static. I really wasn't sure about McEachran at all in that game. I think he's more he's built much more for a home performance as well. I'd be interested to see if he if he plays in one in the next Cambridge away scenario. I think that'd be quite interesting to to see. Um yeah. so I think that's another big cog of how do you make us play if our midfield isn't on top form. Yeah, and it took until about the 70th minute, didn't it, before even Rodriguez started turning out from the middle of the park in that Cambridge game because McEachran and Brannigan were getting nothing. It was constantly back to goal. They never turned and face. And I was then starting to obsess of we need a Herbie Kane type character who comes, collects the ball and is facing forwards to work out what to do next. We kind of need two of them, which is what we got in the Derby game. But it's yeah. also what we got in Carlisle as well because... In the second half in particular, McEachran was so influential on the ball in the second half against Carlisle. He was arguably the kind of orchestrator of some of the attacks that we did end up creating in that game. But that didn't happen at Cambridge. So like you say, maybe it's a it's a symptom of kind of a, a, a wider issue or whether or not it's because... You know, like I say, maybe he's more comfortable playing at home. Yeah, it's just it's when a... we're matched up, it's to John's point, when teams match us up and they press that those midfielders high, what do you, how do they deal with it and how do they play around it? Because we've seen just, it, it's just completely based on how organised and structured the opposition is to deal with it, isn't it? But I, I think teams will, I know Cambridge, I think they won their second, lost their third game. But um I was just so. Imp- I I don't think there's that there's going to be that many teams that are that organised for ninety minutes either, as they were. So, I think yeah, Bowden so. and Rodriguez offer the hope because they've shown progression across the three games, and as they get more on the ball, because they will be able to better at finding the ball if the other two are getting shut down. That's why I think there's sort of, you know, if 
I've seen enough progression in all three of them. And then obviously Derby was a culmination, which I don't think any of us predicted, that there are different bits of the team that can switch on when others might be not progressing. I think Derby just got everyone was absolutely on it. But yeah. For me, beyond, like, Carlisle, I wrote down the negatives were lack of shots, fullback gaps still there, ball across the box was still there. And we felt a bit mid-table. Second half, kind of lots of those things dropped away. And you start to see the points like you made, Connor about Kekrin. Bowden was getting much better. Even Harris was starting to be fit. But you see, for me, Ruben Rodriguez is he can make the sort of passes that weren't we didn't see last year whatsoever. Passes that yeah. are into space for Brown to run on, passes that are down the side or inside a fullback. Wasn't he literally on yeah. the pitch at Derby for like ten seconds before he nested like this amazing yeah. through ball yeah. on the right hand side? Like, so there's sort of that genuine creativity of like quite simple balls, but it implies that the other players know where to go to get those. Whereas honestly, for lots of time under KR in the last season, it was just sort of get the ball, look up and go, where is everyone? It's... So the, this this was a point I was going to make about Marcus Brown that I really noticed on Tuesday night. Very often the Carl Robinson, Brown would be facing the ball, wanting to take a touch and then roll his winger. Uh, sorry, roll the fullback and you know get up, get beyond him then. But particularly when Rodriguez came on on Tuesday night, Brown was hugging the touchline and waiting for that ball inside the fullback. He's never really done that since he's I been... I love that ball inside the fullback. Yeah, they it's were two, two quality bits of possession. <laughs> and we've not really seen it since James Henry was kind of, kind of on prime form, what, three seasons ago now, probably. Yeah. So to have someone like Rodriguez, who yeah, came on for, what, 20 minutes on Tuesday night and... If you're two 0 up, if you're chasing the game, you can suddenly unlock a defence. Um, it also helps to have a, a striker like Harris, who's got a bit of yeah. pace as well. Because, and, and, and like we said, the he's now got the confidence to have a go. Yeah, because you've only got to look at, again. Moving on to Carlisle, you, you've only got to look at the goal that he scored against Carlisle. With you know, he's he, he's spun in between the fullback and the centre half after a, an excellent first time ball from Goodrum. Um, and whether or not he meant to chip the goalkeeper is a different story. Um, but he, did, I heard, the, he said he did. Little yeah, dink. It's fine. Yeah, and he, and he uh, stuck it in the bottom corner after it dribbled over the line. So it was... But that that's to the point of that, you know, it, it does feel to me already that we do have a little bit more of a direct goal threat when we progress the ball into the final third now than we did last season. It does seem like already we've got a few more teeth. Yeah. Um, although having said that, you know, it's still very early days and I don't want to get ahead of ourselves because I do think it's just, it's a common cause as Oxford fans as we, you know, we, we get a little bit you know, happy about a certain player and then all of a sudden we're jumping on a bandwagon and then it goes I to liked shit. The, so let's hope it doesn't. But to that point though, I liked that Manning took him out of the team against Derby, but took Rodriguez out yeah. of the team. I wouldn't necessarily say, I'm not saying you're saying, yeah, that's what I would have done, or would have even called for it. But I like the fact he took him out. Could have been a, it could have been a fitness thing. We don't, we just don't know. But it kind of said to to him that this isn't all going to be kind of about you. Not probably sure he doesn't think that because he's just coming into a new league. But it it means that Bowden can continue to step up and and I like I love Bowden. I think he's a great. Yeah, player so and, do I. And I. Yeah, you know I don't want him to get sort of locked out of this team because others just are more of a natural fit. Yeah, I, I really like the idea of being able to rotate those kind of front, the three that play behind the striker, because we, as we've spoken about, we've got so many options. We know that Brown in particular has struggled to play 40 games a season, so if he can drop out for a couple of games and Mills comes in, 
You can play Bowden over Rodriguez, bring Tyler Goodrum in. It makes um, five subs so powerful. Yeah, like it's a thing. And it means yeah. you keep teams guessing. We're not just a predictable, right, they're going to play those three. They're going to do it like this. Teams have got to be prepared for any combination of the five or six players, which is re- quite a strong bow in our bow pocket. Do you think um, good, good <laughs> bow in our pocket? What, what's that Arrow in our arrow yeah, in our bow. Yeah, one of them. Yeah. I can't talk. I'm the worst with analogies. <laughs> Hashtag Mandela. Um, do you think Goodrum started three of the four games? He he's one of the only ones where I'm not. I kind of because he finished the season so strong. I think at the moment he's potentially a little bit at risk of you know, finding himself not starting games. But it's very early to say, isn't it? But I just haven't quite been sure yet. I, lo- I like Tyler Goodrum off the bench, to be honest with you. I know some people might go, oh, blasphemy. But I I think he has quite a good impact off the bench because he's so high energy. I think sometimes if you're, you know, if you're a fullback and you've played 65, 70 minutes already and you've had someone having a go at you and then you see Tyler Goodrum come on with that, with, with the amount of energy he has and the impact. And also, you know, he is quick. Um, there's a few times uh, against Bristol City in the cup I went to that game um, in the first half where there were a couple of times we caught them on the counter-attack and the counter-attack was led by the run of Goodrum Um, obviously he started that game so I I think actually off the bench he's a high impact player who would you you start I don't I don't disagree. I don't disagree at all. Um, but who? It's that question. Brown, Brown, Bowden, and Rodriguez for me. Yeah, same. Yeah. I would do at the moment. Same. I would as well because I think I think with with Bowden and Rodriguez is if I think with those two in particular, you for me you don't view it as a traditional. Bowden's going to play on the right and he will stick and hug the touchline. Yeah. It's it's so much more fluid in in between those two players because they can play in such similar positions and they have such similar attributes, which is not actually a bad thing. Um, so I, I quite like that against Carlisle when it was Bowden and Rodriguez in, in both starting. In a groundbreaking yeah. move, Brown against Derby ended up on the right wing quite a lot and mm-hmm. looks quite good on the he's right played, wing. He's played yeah. quite a bit. It, it wasn't just against Derby, was it? I think yeah. against Carlisle, he moved over to the right. Yeah, he did. When, good, one when, of the other games, yeah. when Goodrum came on. I mean, don't get me wrong, but against Cambridge and Carlisle, he was getting a lot of the ball out left and we were feeding him quite well. So I'm not... It just seems like something that we should just tell him to do more of and that plays yeah. to the point about the rotation across the three. Cool. Um, we talked a little bit about Bristol City. Connor, how was that for you? Should we, should we just <laughs> pretend it yeah, didn't happen? Or? Well... Well, first things first, I actually, I'm going to have a little rant now. And this is not about the players. This is Ooh. about the coach journey. Listen to this. This is ridiculous. I can't believe this. Can we time be... box this, please? Yeah, this would be, I'll, I'll run for it very quickly. And right, we left, <laughs> left, left, left the Kassam at four o'clock, right? Got to Bristol at two minutes to six, right? So really quick, flew down, flew down the motorway, right? Really? Yeah. Got to the stadium, stadium, um, Great facilities. Great, great, great guy, guys on the guys on the door said, "Sorry, you can't park here. Can't come in yet." So what proceeded to happen was that we drove around on the coach for forty-five minutes around Bristol. We had a tour of Bristol. Instead of letting us off, they decided oh. to drive around Bristol for forty-five minutes before letting us off. I was going to um, say because they, they have ended a proper up, fan zone, don't and, they? It's and and right. exactly, and they ended up parking nowhere near the stadium, um, where they could have just gone straight away after they were told you couldn't park in the stadium. Um, so we did go to the fan zone and we did have one beer, but we didn't have much time to have anything else. So I thought that was an absolute shambles from Bristol City for wow. not, A, not letting us in, 
but B, not telling us where to go in the first place to park. Um, so ridiculous. It was just ridiculous. But anyway, the game itself um, was an you, interesting Sorry, one. can I just... Have you sent an angry letter to that effect? No, or? do you know what? I, I, letter. I, I generally <laughs> was tempted to, to, have a, to have a moan, but I thought, no, I'll just okay. leave it. Um, the result was embarrassing enough that I think I don't think I need to go and do that as well. Um, mm. But it was an interesting one because I think in a weird way, before the game, I was relatively optimistic to the point where I thought because Bristol City are a slightly better side, I thought it might it might kind of prompt us to play in a certain way that would be indicative to how we want to play for the whole rest of the season, as in you know, high press, if they're going to try and play out from the back, try and win the ball back high up the pitch. You know, a little bit like how we played against QPR. Um, in the first 25 minutes or so, I actually thought Oxford played you know, Oxford played relatively well and created a few decent half chances. Um, obviously, other than conceding after 15 minutes, but that's neither here nor there. And we scored a decent goal to bring it back um, to 1-1. But I think the, the biggest problem was is that we conceded three identical goals. Yeah, from just then a cross, onwards. wasn't it? A cross it was just, in and then... A, it was just yeah. a... It was just, you know, a, an overload on our right-hand side. So Finn Stevens just didn't have a chance that, you know, he, he got, he got, let's say, outnumbered a lot got beaten to the byline as a result um, and a cutback that finished, you know, anywhere between the edge of the box and the penalty spot to someone to run onto and basically stick it in the back of the net. So it was frustrating to see how it crumbled, put it that way. That was probably the most frustrating yeah, thing. I, despite, despite the fact I thought it was coming after they scored their third, you thought oh, this is going to end up being six or seven. And thankfully it only stopped at five. So every cloud. Yeah. There's a Brilliant. little bit of the mini meltdown on Twitter. I think I, it, I yeah, think it was like eighty percent on the Cambridge game and maybe topped up by yeah. um, by this. Sorry, John. I think I think you also have to remember that Bristol City are an excellent side. Yeah, I mean, they played very well and they, they will do well this season. Mimetti, Sykes. Did um, the Oxford centre back pairing get any? Were they together, Dicky and? Nah, Atkinson's Atkinson. injured. Oh, is he? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Dicky got clapped obviously. And then Sykes, he got a mixed reaction. There was some boos when he came on and then some claps at the end. So it was a bit of a mixed reaction for Sykes, but. Okay. Yeah. John, were you going to say something? No, I, I think he just highlighted this point. We've already talked about that the, the quality of the fullbacks and the midfield, if it's not working, kind of exposes that sort of goal against us very, very easily. And I think that's still going to be there. They all came down that side, didn't they? It says in the note that that's actually a question I wanted to ask Finn Stevens. Like, does he look the fact that Long is starting all the games, really? Or, you know, the league games is Stevens a backup by by the looks of it? Or I know we've seen him very little, but Connor, what were your thoughts on Stevens right back? Uh, I think it was probably an unfair game to really judge him, to be honest with you, because again, I think they they kind of played like an inverted winger. No, sorry, an inverted fullback, and they kind of created like kind of little triangles around him. He didn't really get much cover from from Stan Mills. He didn't really kind of track back. So I think it was kind of a almost an unfair defensive performance. He didn't he didn't he didn't cover himself in glory in a couple of tackles and a couple of loose passes. But going forward, he looked okay. I think he's more dynamic than Sam Long, as in he's you know he's a lot he's a lot quicker than Sam Long. Um, I think Sam Long is probably better defensively. He's better in the air, but I think Stevens would be a better ball player because um, that's not hard, to be fair, because Sam Long's... Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm against Carlisle, and I still cannot fathom how he managed to get into Team of the Week in the EFL after that game because uh, 
he defended well, but <laughs> my God, every time he got the ball, he just passed it straight to a blue shirt. Um, so yeah, long, yeah, long I, start I to the season. I don't know, Jack, what you think, but it seems so hit and miss where the hits are really good and the misses are potentially very, very dangerous and <laughs> really bad. And so it's really, I find it really hard to know what to say about Sam Long a lot of the time. He, he does have an impressive habit of giving the ball away and you think, blimey, what, what, what's he doing? But then he'll come out with a couple of stonking challenges that you, you, you then you see, okay, yeah, defensive, that's why he's in the side. I actually thought on Derby on Tuesday night, we saw the kind of best and worst and completely down the middle of Sam Long. Um, when he got booked probably midway through the second half yeah. for a daft challenge he didn't need to make, I was very concerned that he'd go for a second yellow. But after that, um, he kind of returned to the steady, steady Eddie role rather than the, the bit hot-headed. Um, as for Stevens, I don't know what Brentford expected for him for this season, whether it was to play regularly or whether it was to gain experience, so to speak. Um but you'd hope that there's enough pressure on Long that it, you know, we see the Sam Long that we saw maybe 18 months ago consistently good every week. Long, yeah. Long often, from the passing perspective, he just seems to often want feel like he, he plays like he feels like he needs to try and do some of the sort of passing and some of that stuff that's kind of ex- expected of modern fullbacks, so to speak, and that just seems to be a sort of a, a coaching point to say not limit yourself because you do need to try and contribute to the game but it's a decision making thing from him and I it is hard to criticise him because he is defensively really good I mean you look at that clearance off the line like in the derby game the way he like had the composure to head that given where his, the angle of his neck etc was was amazing um, so he's not like a massive problem but I don't think he's that sort of gets us promoted standard of player which is yeah he would have been like brilliant in like the early nineties, where like there wasn't as much expectation on the fullbacks. Challenging Les Robinson. Yeah, he's quite Les Robinson in a way, he's isn't a bit, it? Bit Les. Yeah. Um, rest of the Carlisle game then. What what do people generally think? Like it was so important to get over the line and get that first win. There was just a, felt like there was pressure. I think even I myself was saying on. Twitter at one point it felt big it just felt like after those two results before Manning needed to just get the fans it's not so much off his back it's just off the club like off the teams it's been a very frustrating year hasn't it a very frustrating 12 months and it just felt like that home crowd needed that what was the first win at home for 200 days yeah that shocked me I I didn't really think of it I just season to season but then it just didn't yeah wow so that that in itself was probably one of the reasons why it was such a relief. But but equally, I think one thing that really really did disappoint me, and this is only a few minority of fans that did this when in this in the set was it the second half? I think it was the second. Uh, no, sorry, the first half against Carlisle, um, we played a short goal kick where the centre back plays to the goalkeeper, and then we played out, and a, a selection of fans decided to boo, which I thought was absolutely ridiculous. Um, yeah, and if any of those fans are listening now, um, I think I think you know you should probably just wind your neck in a little bit because if you want to watch some decent football, then I think you know you might as well just just wait and see what you know some of the football I think we will end up playing this season. You've only got to look at Derby to see how well we progress the ball through the thirds. 
um, with some excellent passing um, and some really good movement as well. And I think it will come. I, I can't understand why people would boo that yeah, yeah, as, a, no. as a method of playing football. I just don't think it's ridiculous. But anyway, that's a side story. I think in terms of the um, what I thought was really good about Carlisle, I think you got to point out Negru and Moore, who were excellent. Um, I think Negru came in and he just... Negru oozes quality for me. I think he's fantastic. He's a really, really calm head for a lad of his age. He's very, very calm. Um, he's good on the ball and he's extremely good in the air. And I think that's where perhaps where Thornley is probably not as strong because of his height. Um, I think Negru really does kind of shine in that area because yeah. him and Elliot Moore together, I think they actually played really well. And they were excellent against Derby as well together. He's mouthy as well. Yeah. Like, you can see he him giving it to one of the yeah. um, Derby players that like... He- Push he looks, over. He's a proper defender, Jack, isn't he? Like proper centre back, just no nonsense. He's he is everything that I thought we were getting with Finley. Except Finley couldn't say. couldn't pass. Yeah. Negru and he's what, just turned twenty one, appears to have it all at the minute. And he's played what? Is that was that his fourth game for us on Tuesday night? And he hadn't played that many for Shelbourne before they sold him to us either. He must I reckon he's got under twenty five first team appearances in his career so far and he looks he just looks so assured he looks like a player who's played 200 games and that's a really positive sign and the fact he's kind of come in um again not unexpected because it's due to an injury like it was at the back end of last season he's come into a team last year that was struggling for confidence trying to grind out results to stay up and then this year you know starting away at Pride Park as your probably third ever start as a professional footballer and just looking like you belong there. It's really positive yeah. signs. He seems to bring something to Elliot Moore as well. I think I've got a developing theory about the Elliot Moore's partner. He's actually always really quite important to bring the best out of Elliot Moore. I thought you meant his missus then. I was getting confused. I just, I just, uh, well, that's probably true as well. Like, that's <laughs> probably true as well. Like, you know, you do, <laughs> but from a footballing perspective, I'm not going into the, uh, <laughs> I mean, it, I mean, here's some proper in-depth research. I just, just off Jack's point where he said about his, um, his, his appearances. I just quickly jumped on Wikipedia to, to check how many games he's played. That that game against Derby was his tenth appearance for both Oxford and Shelbourne. So he's only played ten games. Um, and it was and the first to, goal we conceded with him in the side, wasn't it, against Derby? I think. Yeah, Waghorn. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and it says here under style of play that he is a, he's an aggressive defender who describes his defending style as old school and lists John Terry as a player he models his game on. Well, no, one's, no one's perfect. <laughs> no one's perfect. Yeah, yeah. exactly. All John. the players need to hide their wives. It'd be fine. Yeah. It shows what so, expectation does though, because Findlay was kind of yeah. is that same thing, but as obviously yeah. came with a much bigger expectation. Negra is somewhat similar actually, but. What's, what does Thornley sure. think? Like it's it's interesting. I mean, it's a great problem to have, isn't it? But Thornley was that vocal, you know, the partner we thought more needed pre-season. But you can't take Negra out the side, yeah. With where he's going, but you might get to that point where they we rotate three centre backs a bit, like you know that season we had where it was, um, oh god, he was in a- <laughs> Moose, Moose. And but do you though? Like, Nelson, do you, do you rotate centre backs? No, Dicky, Dicky Atkinson, Atkinson. yeah, no, is that a thing? I yeah, can't remember. Was, Either way, I yeah, just remember we yeah. rotated three of them quite a lot. That's just not the right three either. But 
you know, we move on. Um, yeah, it's a headache. It's a headache. It's a headache, and it's a good headache. That's what it might end up being with the way he's performing at this at this level at the moment at this stage. Yeah, stepping for in, sure. stepping in for for for. Uh, what do you think about Mr. Beadle? Injured. James oh yeah, Beadle. good good question. <sighs> yeah, I think he's had a very mixed reaction, hasn't he, so far? I think. Personally, I think he's, he's extremely good with his feet and he's got a very good distribution. Um, he's made a couple of maybe little bit rash decisions in terms of coming out for crosses and coming and, you know, not necessarily taking the pressure off his defenders. Um, but he's young. Um, and he and he did a great knee slide when Harris's second goal. He did. In. That was unbelievable. If you haven't seen that, you've got to go on to Twitter and find it because that, that was so good. Um, I love that. that I tell you what, I love that, that emotion. Shit. Like all yeah. of the, like all of the players, the two derby goals. The fact that all the players are celebrating to themselves, to each other, in little, in like groups of two yeah. or three. Like everyone is absolutely buzzing. Like the, we've scored. I know yeah. that sounds stupid, but it, it it looks different, doesn't it? And can you also give a little bit of a shout out to Mark Harris for? A, scoring the first one and then just shushing the Derby fans. And then when he scored the second one, he did his knee slides in front of them. Like, proper, sh- proper shithouse. Wow. Um, so he's like, that was excellent as well. Really jumping around. Like, Mark Harris, don't, I don't think, sounds that confident in his interviews. He's very much like, yeah. sort of talks himself down. Like, and, we, you know, he's, he talks, he said, and then he just does that on the pitch. It's just amazing. Yeah, yeah I agree. Because it's funny because he said after the... Was it after the Carl... No, after the... Was it after the Carlisle game? I can't remember. It was either that one or the Cambridge game where he said that he basically needs to be more selfish. And it was Carlisle, just, yeah. It was Carlisle. He needs to yeah, take on more shots. His own faults and it was like, that's fine. Yeah. Don't say it out loud. Yeah, exactly. Which is kind of, yeah, I say it's very good to be reflective and all the rest of it. But it was a bit strange to hear a striker even admit that live on the radio. But then, like you say, he scored the two against Derby and he goes oh. into like full shithouse mode, which is, which is great. If that's what he's going to be like, yeah. personality-wise, I'm all about that. And I'm fully down for that self-assessment. I, d- I didn't mind that at all. Because he, no, did, bre- he did break through a couple of times against Carlisle, didn't he? Where mm-hmm. And then like cut back rather than kind of took on the shot and stuff. But Jackie's got to have that confidence now. Like We were all saying, well, I think I said on WhatsApp um, in the Carlisle game that if we score a goal, I'd pray it's Harris. And then like two minutes later, <laughs> Harris had notched that goal. What I what I really like about him is I don't think we've had it since Taylor was in his prime when he first came back, is that he he finds pockets of space. So we talked about Goodrum um first touch against Carlisle, kind of doink doinking, there's a technical phrase. Doinking. The ball down the middle and Harris got the pace to get onto it, but then his first goal against Derby he pulled out wide and got played mm. in. His second goal against Derby he dropped to the edge of the, the box. Yeah. It's weird for a player that's only scored not many goals in a loser game. He seems to find the right pockets of space, which is it's nice to see offsides. It sounds like a stupid thing to say, but it is nice to see simple. Since like, Bino. yeah, but like <laughs> yeah. Brannigan's played some very simple balls, and how right Harris has been offside for a couple of them. But again, I don't think last season we even were playing those balls to whoever yeah. it might have been at the time to be offside. It's in, when you watch back the second goal against Derby. To Jack's point, Harris's run. Part of me, if I was what you know watching, I was just shouting, "Get in the get in the box, get in the box!" But he doesn't, and he it's because there's already players in front of him, so he's, he makes that educated and, decision to. And exactly that. And to that point, how many times last season did we talk about no one being in the box, or when a player was looking to cross, there was no options. Whereas Rodriguez for the goal, second goal. 
he had Harris on the edge of the box, obviously aimed for Bowden and it kind of came through to Harris, but it was someone else on the far side of the box. The, yeah. the, the fluidity of those attacking options and the fact that McGuane and Brannigan on Tuesday were all over the place in terms of ground coverage, box-to-box style. Yeah. We we looked a threat both when we were countering and when we were building a move because players were... I think the fit the fitness levels of this squad look really good at the moment. I, I loved both of the goals against Derby. The second one, we looked like the Dutch like 70s side or like Barcelona a la yeah. early noughties type thing. It was just... It, the only thing that killed it slightly was that kind of slight mishit yeah. that then feeds to Harris. That I was claiming, I was showing someone at work today. Nah, I was like, oh, I meant that, meant that. He, he did. He, de- him. he definitely knew... Bowden knew what he was doing. That's yeah. def- I mean, Bowden's touch. probably the only one that you could you could say maybe he had an idea, but I think we all yeah. know. You know, it, it, it was a flare touch. You know, it was. It was a bit like the little <laughs> the little touch from from uh, Rodriguez. Jerome's um, commentary for the first goal deserves <laughs> a shout out as well. Where and it's hit the side netting, and then uh, the crowd's just uh, the sound that the fans made when that went in. Jack, you were obviously there. Like it was unbelievable. So I, I remember just being in this such a confused state. I, was, I celebrated and then I was like, oh no, I've got it wrong. I was like, no, I haven't. Just then Harris, Harris, I was like, why is he shushing a hitting the side netting? <laughs> this is bizarre. Um, um, I love how we've progressed from talking about James Beadle extremely Yeah, briefly. sorry, Jack, just, what do you think about straight, James Beadle? Straight, straight into I Harris. I had it had to lined up and I've, I've just... Um, yeah, to, he's he's funny one, isn't he? Because he clearly wants to command his area, which is good. Eastwood never felt confident when he was coming for a cross. Beadle, I feel pretty confident about. However, he has this habit. I think it's almost overconfidence because he'd come and claim some so easily against Derby. He then started for coming for crosses where he was probably third, second, second, third favourite to get there. And that was the one where he flapped down, long had to clear off a line, etc. Um, there was another so one that he didn't he drop as well that the yeah. dive player it wasn't going in, I don't think, but the ref gave it as a foul, and it was a bit like that's he, just, was he, Mendes Lang, wasn't it? He appears he to be very much the modern goalkeeper in that he's going to back himself to come for everything. And law of averages state that's you know he's not going to take every cross. But the good thing that we saw on Tuesday was that the defence are alive to the situation, so. I think we're going to have some of those kind of nervy moments where he does come and not, you know, someone gets in his way or he punches rather than catches or whatever. But he's a young goalkeeper. We're going to see, and we have seen over the years, you know, goalkeepers make mistakes all the time. He's young. Yeah, this sounds like I'm being really like snotty, but he he knows how to make a highlight reel as well. Oh, <laughs> like in yeah. some of his saves, like some of them are like you didn't need to go that over the top. I don't mind that. No, I don't mind it. No, but it's just it made me laugh. A couple of them against Derby, it was like that was far more comfortable. Yeah. It, it's a shame that we didn't keep a clean sheet because I, when you know that forty nine minutes is going to get added on at the end of the game, I was absolutely yeah. ca- it was difficult, wasn't yeah. it, watching it? it but was. they didn't they didn't really deserve that goal, and I was really surprised that Jack. I know you commented on Paul Warren's style of football, but it's like he's dragged that Rotherham style of kind of weird load the box. It was like they were playing to get a one-all, you know, to score in the last minute from the twentieth minute. They were just loading the box at every opportunity, kind of slowing the game down to be able to do it. Yeah, I, very, I, you see why their fans are pissed off. It's yeah, they weird. do look like they do look like Rotherham as well, as in the yeah. size of the players. Their player profile is very similar to the team 
well, the two teams that won got promoted out of League One in the past. So I wonder whether or not it's just you know the the certain players he has now at his disposal just aren't quite at the same it, level as they. It is were. a really good point though because how much of that Derby game was, to be honest, how bad Derby were. I mean, I thought their three centre backs didn't look like they liked that system whatsoever. Yeah. I mean, in how in theory, how did Harris get away from three centre halves to get that sh- the first goal shot off? The second goal, fair enough, yeah. fair play to him. Um, their centre midfield was non-existent, which again I put a lot of credit on our midfield, but they just didn't seem to have any other tactics beyond get it to their wing backs, yeah. try to get a yeah. bit of a space and put it in set yeah. pieces, long um, throws, which is how they scored, which was a shame. It's a if, terrible if you're goal, isn't it? Connor Hurrahan, who's been quite a flary, exciting player in, early in his career. And you're being told to load a free kick from the halfway line after 15 minutes into the box so that your three brute centre-backs can yeah. pile in on everyone. You must be thinking, what yeah. on earth happened? Because he signed under Rooney and Rossini, who, who were wanting to play you know, tippy-tappy football, plenty of passes, and now he's sat launching balls into well, the box. I just Think can't back see... to League Two days. How many teams turned up and they were like just absolute units except for one good player who could put it in the right place? And it... And it did, but this is what Warren did have at Rotherham. He had a Dan Barlazer in midfield or a Ben Wiles. He had these kind of cultured players that did get involved in the game. So it feels weird that he's almost yeah, deliberately bypassing that... Max Bird and Conor Hurrahan in That's the That's what was missing because it felt like that Rotherham team they could actually play as well in the midfield and make up for the fact if the rest of the team wasn't playing. Um, I couldn't even tell you who was up front for Tarby on Tuesday night because I can't remember them really touching the ball. Collins um, and Mendes Lang. Mendes Lang, yeah. Um, Mendes, Mendes Lang has like about as much end product as Marcus Brown, so there's not really much you know, scare of him doing anything. It, it, someone made the point as well on Tuesday, it's all very odd that they took our head of recruitment and then have just basically signed... A Paul Warren eleven, given what Mark Thomas discovered for us and the talents he brought through, it just doesn't. The the two don't feel like they sit side by side at all. Place the expectation, I guess, of needing to get well, not needing yet, well, expecting to get promoted this this season. But that this, if you think about like the we've played three very different teams in the league. If you think about it, like Derby, you're kind of at home, big crowd had to try and push on to us but tactically done by us and equally weren't great Carlisle was sort of what I described as like a mid-expansive team didn't set up didn't come to do nothing but equally didn't really push on waiting for 70 minutes to see if they can nick something Cambridge a well-drilled low block team as this whole not getting ahead of ourselves there's a couple more variations of teams that we haven't played yet that can probably exploit and be better than Derby were. It's sort of. I just think it's really a great segue to Barnsley if I didn't want to talk about something else in between. But well, yeah, it is, it, it's interesting. We'll see. Um, Jack, final thing on Derby. Did you want to talk about Sam Long Crossfield Pass at any point? Oh yeah, this will make uh, George Dugdale. I was stood next to you, very happy. There was a moment. I think it was probably about the 80th minute, and this this goes back to how like. Uh, seesaw Sam Long can be he got the ball played out to him he knocked it out in front of him and then just hit this fantastic 60 yard crossfield ball that I think Brown controlled first time 
and there was just this moment of kind of gasp in the in the away <laughs> end that it just happened because not, he hadn't been booked right. long before that for a, a daft challenge. And if ever a ten minute spell summed up the conversations we've had for two two and a half years about Sam Long, that moment was it. Was it was it better than the Sheffield Wednesday crossfield in the away <sighs> game that we didn't win when Murphy missed a penalty? Is that? It's that right was... up with it. And that's what I mean. He, he has got it in his locker. It, but when it comes out, it almost, I don't know, yeah, it just makes you go, yeah. oh, It's accompanied by... <laughs> yeah. Beyond that season when him and Raffles just tore up the stats around assists and goals and stuff as a collective, I just, he's been very on and off. And it's just, let's just hope that he puts runner games together and more focuses on that defensive display and gets, um, yeah, Can, um... sticks in the side. Connor, can you talk about Marcus McGuane so that Jack and I don't get accused of hideous <laughs> yeah. bias? Good, yeah. yeah um, and fine. it's only one game, and yada yada yada. But yeah. well, can you talk about McGuane, please? To be fair, we've not actually mentioned him, and I'm glad you brought it up because James is spewing I, into his microphone I said, <laughs> his hatred for McGuane and how he I was. Said, I said to I watched it, and I said to Sophie, and I said to Lewis, I watched it with. I said that that's the best performance Marcus McGrain has ever put in in a yellow shirt I generally think he was that good he was so so on it I mean not only was he a creative outlet he also defended well but he he ran his socks off he, you know you were, I think there was a moment on like the 92nd minute where he was literally still pressing the ball when they were trying to come into our into our final yeah, third you know I was going to say he that right so at the end he was still on it yeah. yeah, he was so energetic. He had so See, much yeah, Around 75, I looked at him a couple of times and thought, shit, he's looking a bit leggy. This is where we may get exposed and Derby find that pocket space and score. But then he just suddenly apped it up. And then, as you say, was still yeah. there in the 92nd minute. I mean, you look at the look at the role he played in the in the second goal. You know, you know again, it started, started with a couple of passes that bounced off of him. And he was the one who was playing those very intricate pause when, you know, when a player's pressing you and he knocked the ball around them. Um, so in that sense, he was actually operating as a creative midfield player as well. So I, I thought he, he off was the back of in the second goal as well, wasn't he? Yeah, the off the back of what what the performance he put in on Tuesday, I'm intrigued to see whether or not he starts on Saturday. And yeah. I think I think against Barnsley, which I imagine will be relatively kind of more in line with kind of the way Bristol City play rather than what Derby play in terms of style of play. I think he will suit that. Um, I think we need I, that kind of high energy in midfield rather than someone like McEachern, who is not that type of player. I think it's That's a really it. difficult one. I, I'm I'm almost tempted to go. Let's talk about it in Barnsley, maybe. But I'm. I think it's possibly. I think you probably play McEachern actually over McGuane. But I, it's really difficult to take him out. It's really difficult. Can't take him out after that. Yeah, I don't know. Can't take him. Jack, what do you think? Just on the McGuane thing, so I can fanboy him for a little bit. Um, (laughs) There was a moment against Derby where he picked the ball up in front of the back four, drove forward, looked up and played a neat little pass. And it was a complete opposite. And we discussed it a lot at the time. The Wigan game a couple of seasons ago on a Tuesday night where he played relatively well, but he kept breaking forward, losing the ball because he was holding on to it for so long. And he did it two or three times in that Wigan game. And if anything showed how someone's game has improved slowly and awareness at this level, because League One's very different to where he'd come from and what he played before, it was the driving. He had full idea of where his wingers were going to be, where his other strikers were going to be. And 
to the point about who plays at Barnsley, I don't. I, he's, he is undroppable after Tuesday night. Yeah. But then you go, is, does McEachern come in for the kind of protection factor that we might may need? Is it is it about who we, um, we s- takes Herbie Kane out the game best out of the two of them? I don't know. Yeah, and we saw. We saw with McGwain, you know, his first third of last season, he was our standout player in that holding midfield role. So you know that he has got that in his locker. And just for the listeners, my abuse of McGwain has more been that Jack and John were convinced that those driving runs and that contribution to our attacking output was was there. He just hadn't unlocked it yet. So I'm delighted, lads. I just want to see more, you know. More. Let's yeah. not wait 12 more pods until you can refer to that again. But yeah. that that he's got a lot in it, you know. He can do all the things. I just don't think I still have that Cambridge game slightly etched in my head around the kind of the slowness of the passing and the inability to kind of unlock and move forward. But again, Carlisle, as Connor said, McEachran really did kind of kind of come into his own and be a bit more progressive with the play. And you assume Barnsley are not going to be on him instantly, and they're going to have a slightly different type of approach but yeah um Barnsley then uh they've had quite a weird start to the season having won on the opening day 7-0 at home to Port Vale which I think was a record for opening day opening day results um then they drew two all with Tranmere in the league cup um Bristol drew one all with Bristol Rovers away, which isn't a bad result. And then they played Peterborough on Tuesday. Well, they were one nil up and until like the seventy fifth minute, and then Peterborough got three quick fire goals. Clark Harris was one of them, and they walked away. And it sounded like they deserved the win. So, um, talking to my mate who's a Barnsley fan, not feeling particularly positive. Even even his reference to the 7-0 said it was strange the performance wasn't as good as it suggested and we've really struggled since then. Uh, doesn't feel very confident about playing us and that seems to be um, if you go on the socials that seems to be the general feeling of the Barnsley fans and then um, I don't know I feel I have never seen us play well at Barnsley so I don't yeah. want to get too excited. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be there, and I just think I'm a terrible curse at the moment. So, what do you guys What are you guys thinking? People feeling positive? Herbie Kane's not feeling positive, is he, Connor? No, he's not. He did a he did like a little cameo interview for whatever their local radio station is, and uh, yeah, he he didn't sound particularly happy, did he? There was a couple of questions about his future, and he really like proper batted them off, and then they asked about. Um, why he enjoyed his loans about Oxford and he said about how he felt like he was part of a good squad and he felt like he was an important player and that he was kind of like respected and that it didn't really seem like he was kind of saying that in in relation to how he's not feeling like that at Barnsley um, yeah and he said yeah. twice he said twice that they need more signings bodies, and more bodies yeah. more players yeah so. if they wanted if they want to challenge for a promotion push which is what the which was one of the questions that's thrown at him so yeah Her, Her, Herbs is not very happy so I think I think that the board needs to just bring him home, just bring him back to Oxford. Not yeah. that we need another player like him because we've already got three good midfield players, but equally, I, I love her. I love Herbie Kane, so I just hope he doesn't do anything horrible to us at the weekend because so, he is a good player. Against them, um, Peterborough, they set up with a back three, and they've got Cadden on one of the kind of fullback roles we know about, Nicky Cadden, don't we? But um, 
Peterborough set up in that kind of four-two-three-one formation that you would expect us to probably adopt as well. And so, um, yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting. They've still got a lot of players that were around last season, so you know they can't just completely drop out from contention, can they? They've still got Devante Cole. He got a hat trick on the opening day as well. Andy or Andrew Cole's son, whichever one he feels like today. Um, how are people feeling, John? Predictions. I just think it's a really difficult one to, to predict. A big thing will be how and who gets close and helps support Harris because let's say that Barnsley will Barnsley's three will play better than Derby's will. Like Derby's three were absolutely awful. So if they play better, then he's gonna be Harris is gonna have a hard time. Getting up the pitch will therefore be harder for us. Who plays Ruben or, or Bodin? I think you probably leave it as is from that perspective in terms of keep Ruben on the bench. Um, again, because it's still Barnsley are still going to be a big team. They're going to have a better midfield. Um, I think that's slightly why I'm kind of... I agree, it sounds stupid to say McGuane is undroppable, but there's something about McEachran and the fact that Manning signed mm. McEachran. He's, he's his boy. He's like... I think he may be able to do a better job in against better teams in sort of the tempo and getting us out a bit more effectively than McGuane and Brannigan could end up in a playing how McGuane and Brannigan have played in previous previous season where they look a bit confused and it's not quite working together. I'm sort of rambling around because I, I don't quite know <laughs> Give us how. a score, John. I'll let, I mean, I'll, I'll take a draw. I'd abs- I think it will probably be, a, I think a draw is probably where it will be. Okay. What's the score going to be? I'm going to ask you one more time. One all, <laughs> okay. Jack, um, do you think Mark Harris will be the only player to score for Oxford United in the league this season? What's 100% goal record? Well, or do, you, do you think Rodriguez will come in for Goodrum? Uh, That's what I'm thinking. I think. Oh, I forgot Good- about Goodrum. Yeah, Goodrum sorry. Looked- I, would, I would take Goodrum out. Goodrum looked Barnes pretty spent sure. when he went off on Tuesday night. He'd worked really hard defensively, to be fair to him. So it wouldn't surprise me to see. Mills start again. We talked about we can swap it about quite a lot actually, but um, to John's point on the midfield, I think Barnsley may actually want to use their midfielders, whereas Derby didn't really bother doing that on Tuesday. So maybe McEachern is a better option then as a kind of um, uh, opposition to a midfield that's going to try and play. Um, as for predictions, we, we haven't won in Barnsley for thirty years, so we're due. <laughs> so we're due. How long have you been sitting on that for? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, Jesus. So, okay. I well, we drew a win, but I I did the preview for the one of their fanzines, and I said it'd be a one-one draw. I think I'll probably stick with that. Oh, another one-one. Did you did you get any insight from them on, or was it just an interview? You didn't hear from them on how they. Were no, yeah, it was just it. just a, a one-way giving thoughts on us okay. thus far. Connor, one-all, or are you gonna say something else? I think if you would have said to me four points out of the next two games when we're considering Derby and Barnsley, I would have snatched your hand off. So we've Absolutely, already got three yeah. of those. So I do also think it will be a draw. Um, but I think it'll be 2-2 and I'm going to go with Harris to score and I'm going to go with um, Kieran Brown to score as well. Oh, okay. Kieran. go with. Yeah, big Kieran. As I Also, actually, talking about Kieran Brown, I know you guys haven't been to the Kassam yet this season. But we've got a new flag, and I don't know if you've seen it on iFollow or anything. 
that's up. You know the Cameron Brannigan flag that's at the top of the Oxford Mail mm. stand? There's one next to it now, which has got a silhouette of Kieran Brown, and it just says, my fucking left back on it. Yeah. Okay. Um, so an excellent addition to uh, <laughs> to <laughs> to the Oxford Mail stand, whoever decided to make that. He does love a challenge. I do, I do like him, but then he's, I'm there going like, bring in a left back, bring in a left yeah, back. Yeah, same. Well, I'm exactly the same, John. But you've got to have exactly options. You've got to have options. You, you, like you said earlier, if someone gets injured, it, it's irrelevant. It's, yeah. yeah. We didn't touch yeah. on Marvin Johnson in the away stand, did we? But, um... And Danny Mills. And Peter Rose Brown, apparently. Yeah, everyone's there. Everyone's there. Oh, yeah. and also Darren, Darren Moore was also there, not in the Oxford away well, that, end, but was that watching. Was odd, wasn't it? That was weird, wasn't it? Yeah, I know. I, I wonder whether or not that's like a, oh, Paul Warren, your days are numbered, mate. You're yeah, probably yeah, just Darren doing Moore's that just to like <clears throat> shit stir, basically. Yeah, <laughs> do you reckon he does that every week? Just goes to a different game. <laughs> different club. It's about his standard and then just lingers around. I like it. Keep people on edge. Um. Okay. Did you say a score, Connor? Two yeah, all, two, you two. said. All right, yeah. cool. I'm going to go 2-1 th- 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 Oxford. That was definitely going to be 3-1. Th- th- and like and, I, and I'm, going, I'm going for a Rodriguez brace oh. um, to get off yes, the mark. Please. And he'll assist himself. Um, <laughs> just dribble the entire way from just, kick-off or yeah, something. Just kick it and then chase yeah. it. And, you know, it'll be great. Um, yeah, I just, I just hope we. I'd love us to just get a result. I'd take a draw. I'd be very happy with a draw there. I've never, I've not seen much but misery at that place. So, um, yeah, same. Yeah, last time I went, we lost four nil. So yeah. I'd rather that not happen again. That's one, uh, one other video that it won't be the, it wouldn't be the same as Derby because Derby's a bigger win. But that the video, I mean, those videos, KR, lots of videos with KR post match, like going taking the fan, the players over to the fans, but. You want to see that early on with Manning. Like, I do like him, but part of me wishes he wasn't so sensible all the time. <laughs> yeah, but he at least he does his he's read the book about what fans like. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Pump, doing the fist pumps after the game, and I just feel like we're never going. To, yeah, I don't think we're ever going style, to like review what Manning said after the game. Like, we haven't mentioned what he said after the game once on his pod, no, because I just don't think it'll ever be anything beyond very sensible and very <laughs> measured. Think- it's it's like the quest the questions that were thrown at him again by my best mate Chris Williams was you know it was like oh everyone's getting carried away and his obvious response is just going to be well no I think it's you know, it's <laughs> yeah. good that we keep we keep level headed you know ultimately that's what we're here to do we, we don't get to, too high we, we, don't yeah get too don't get too low, low. exactly yeah it's just like stop asking the same fucking <laughs> questions all the time. Like go a little bit deeper. Throw something rogue. Exactly. What's your favourite Barbra Streisand song? Or just see, just catch him off guard. You can't win though, because you don't want KR's like babble. Yeah, like I'm not complaining about Manning being like sort of more like stead, steady and safe and professional and stuff. He just I don't know. Just amuses me that I just don't think we're ever no, going to talk about his I do know what you mean. Comments. It's kind of kind of no point in interviewing him. <laughs> I don't know. Um, what about the interviewee? Sorry, interviewer, not yeah, the interviewer. Get, yeah. more better out. questions. That's the simple answer. Oh, okay. That's yeah. not against Nathan. Nathan's Nathan's. No, no, not Nathan. Legend. Definitely not Nathan. I'm not digging Nathan out. No way. Yeah, good. Yeah, we're taking this out of Jerome. Still love you, Jerome, but we're not <laughs> not working our way through the BBC commentary team. No, it's 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 more Chris than anyone. Um, so. Just quick look at the League One table. Apparently, George uh, Melick was saying after three games, you can look at it. 
which I, I kind of know what he means. But Bolton have had a good start, scored three goals in all of their three games, top of the league. Peterborough up there, as you'd probably expect. Wasn't expecting Stevenage and your mate Steve Evans, Connor, to be absolutely flying. Connor? Up there. Connor loves a bit of Steve Evans. He's got his South Stand lower ticket just so he can lob crap at him. <laughs> and he's and he rocks I'm up in the I'm, right behind, I'm literally right behind the away dugout as well. It's Jack yeah. going away scot-free with this. Like, thought he was the biggest Steve Evans fan. I like Steve Evans. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I I'd don't be, like him. How can he get... If he, I, I respect... If he gets um good, if he gets Stevenage like top half finish, I think that's unbelievable. But you know, um, okay. Anything stood out for anyone across League One so far? Any business? Any other results? No, it's, bit, it's it's already looking like a bit of an odd league. I think with Barnsley being the case in point, a seven nil victory to lose in, but only Bolton. Uh, Peterborough kind of quietly won three from three, whereas Bolton, I think, have impressed the most, which yeah. probably yeah. fits. I think Bolton were considered to be one of the front runners, but of the kind of second to, you know, kind of the other five in the betting, it's been a bit hit and miss. So Yeah, Charlton have not had the best start, have they? Either. Yeah, and they were fancied, weren't they? So it's... Yeah. But it's only three games in, and it means... Doesn't really mean much to the first ten games, does it? Really? No, we're going up now, aren't we? It's still, a, it's still a big opportunity. <laughs> All aboard! At that. Yeah, it really is. HMS piss the league. It really is a big opportunity. Um. Okay, cool. Right. Uh, fixtures beyond. Who have we got after Barnsley? Charlton at home. Is that right? Yeah. And then yeah. Charlton at home, then Port Vale at home. So Lincoln away, Fleetwood away, Exeter, Stevens. We've got some good, reasonable run of fixtures, but I guess you don't know, do you, how teams are going to be? Charlton at home, I think, is going to be, would be an interesting because they'll be a step up from Carlisle mm-hmm. in the quality of players they've got. Yeah. But they're obviously not quite on form yet. Port Vale is probably like another, you, you think you said, Jack, that they could be a bit more Cambridge in how they come and play it, admittedly at home. Lincoln away, I think that's you know very winnable, and so is Fleetwood and Exeter and so on. So these next three games are actually, you know, the sort of development of the team. I think are really interesting for that point. What was um, we got Stevenage at the end of September away? I, I used to go there obviously all the time. I'm the never going there days. ever again. What was it called? The Durex, Lamex, the Lamex, <laughs> not the Durex. <laughs> Just a big condom. The stadium, anyway. Right, let's leave it there. That's great. Anyone that's made it this far and heard that, that's you don't fine. want to stretch yes. it out a bit longer. Oh. Oh. <laughs> I should do like oh, one of those quick. little previews. End it. Stop. Stop. Cut. 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 See you later. Thank you. Bye. bye. <laughs>